0: All right, hey, good morning Three Circle Church and all of our campuses joining us right now. We're really excited to be kicking off the second section today of the water series. The first section that we just completed was about refreshing water. Well, this next section we're going to kick off today is on rough water. You're going to see in the Bible there several places where the Bible shows us that God is faithful even when the water gets rough. Today, uh, for the third time, being with us at Three Circles, so this is his third time, one of my best friends for many, many years, we went to college together, Matt's really like a part of our family, from Bethlehem Church in Atlanta, one of the fastest growing churches in the country. One of my favorite preachers is with us today to kick off this section of the series. Y'all welcome to the stage, my friend, Pastor Matt Pylant. It's good to be doing. <clears throat> Thank you, Chris. Uh, Man, I'll tell you, I love, love Chris and Nan, and I just think that you guys have one of the best leaders uh, in the country, and I really believe that, so you should clap for him. And Chris is a pretty good leader, too, so uh, I was talking about Nan. no, Nan and Chris are like family to me. I love them dearly and I love Three Circle. Great to be back here with you, uh, diving into a series that I think is incredibly important to where we are in life. Uh, in fact, today, as Pastor Chris said, we're gonna talk about rough water. And here, here's the reality, we all find ourselves in rough water at some point or another, all of us. So you're either there now or you're gonna be there in the future. In fact, when I was growing up, my dad would say to me when I made a very bad decision, son, you're in rough water. And some of you used that before. And that means I made a decision that's going to cost me something. There's going to be some circumstances, going to be some pain coming my way. But, but here's the truth. The truth is that we can find ourselves in rough water because of the decisions we made, or we can find ourselves in rough water because of decisions other people made. And sometimes I think we just need to raise our hand and we just need to say, hey, life is hard. I mean, can we say that? I mean, life is just hard. It's way more complex than we give it credit sometimes. In fact, moms, uh, some of you, you know life's hard because you had to get your kids ready to get them to church today. And you're like, life is hard. Like getting my kids out of bed, getting them dressed, getting breakfast made, getting them into the car, getting them here with both shoes is hard. Some of, some, there is somebody I'm convinced here today and you came today and you got your kids out of the car and they only had one shoe on. And you're, you're thinking to yourself, why is this so hard? Grab two shoes when you are going out the door. Life is just tough, life's hard. In fact, men, anybody ever hit, tried to cancel anything these days? Life's hard. Like you gotta go through about 15 people just to get to the person who can actually do the job. And you're thinking, why is this so hard? Sometimes life is just difficult. And here's the truth. Storms can be hurricanes. And they can sink our lives. In fact, growing up on, uh, around this area, uh, going to school at the University of Mobile, I experienced hurricanes. In fact, many of you, you've experienced hurricanes uh, many times before. But what's interesting about hurricanes is that in today's day and age with the technology, we're given all this warning about hurricanes. Like we, we know the wind speeds, we know the category, we know the direction it's going, where it's probably gonna hit landfall. And all that information is helpful because if the, if the hurricane is coming your way, you should go in another direction if you're smart, okay? So sometimes stupid hurts. And uh, sometimes we made decisions like, no, I'm gonna wait this out. And then you waited one hurricane out, and you're like, I'm not doing that again, okay? So, uh, but when the hurricanes of life come, we're not given the same warning, are we? And things can come our way and just all of a sudden start overwhelming us, and it can feel like we are going to drown, we are going to sink. And one of the things that I love about scripture, it is so applicable to our lives, it's so applicable to where we find ourselves. In fact, the disciples found themselves in a storm that we're gonna talk about today. And that storm was overwhelming. It was sinking them. They were drowning. And Jesus was with them. Many of you know the story. And Jesus was with them in the midst of the storm. So if you've got your Bible, I wanna look at this passage found in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. So if you've got your Bibles, you got your, your, uh, your apps, you got whatever you use to, uh, to take notes, get that out. I wanna read this with you. Mark chapter four, verse 35, here's what it says. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, it's really a sea, they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats did follow. We'll come back to that. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And look at verse 38, I love this. And it says, and Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So Jesus, in the midst of the storm, what is he doing? I love the level of detail. He's in the boat, he's asleep with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Now notice the disciples don't say, hey, we might drown. Hey, this is starting to get rough here. They look at Jesus and say, we're about to drown. And they they say something to Jesus, I think it's very interesting because we see it throughout the Bible and we see it in our own lives. They ask Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? God, I'm going through something right now and it feels like I'm drowning and it feels like you don't care. In fact, we see that in the Old Testament prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah, we see it with King David over and over and over again in scripture we see men and women raise up their hands in prayer and say, God, it feels like you don't care. God, I know you can, but your silence feels like you won't. And I think we can find ourselves there in life that we feel like we are facing a burden that is overwhelming our lives and it feels like Jesus doesn't care. And maybe you find yourself today with the boat filling up And it feels like you are being overwhelmed and you're going, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? And if you are there today, I think you're in the right place at the right time because I think the Lord wants to teach us something and give us something through this text that'll be very applicable and helpful to our lives. So if you got your notes, I want you to to get out your handout or whatever you use again to write with. But I wanna point something out very specific. In verse 35, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus, this is important, they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Now, the reason why it says they took Jesus in the boat is because he was actually already in a boat. He was in a boat preaching to the crowds that had gathered to hear him. And so the crowds were so loud or large that he actually got into a boat and he was a little bit offshore and he was preaching to the crowd. Now I love what the Gospel of Luke says in Luke chapter 15. It says that the tax collectors and the worst of sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. I love that. Because they didn't go to hear the religious leaders teach. They came to hear Jesus teach because there was something different about the way Jesus taught. And so if you find yourself in a place today where you don't even know, if if you believe in Jesus, you're asking questions about life, here's what I'm saying, Three Circle is a safe place for you today. The seat you are sitting in is a safe place. You can belong before you believe. And here's all I'm saying, if you're here and you're like, I don't like religious people, listen, you're gonna love Jesus. You're gonna love Jesus. Because Jesus taught and he acted and he spoke different than the religious leaders did at the time. And so the people were attracted to him. So they gathered around. And what was he teaching on? This is important for the context. He was actually teaching on what we call the parable of the soils, where he talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus as the seed and how it falls on different hearts or different soils and how they receive the gospel. And so the disciples would have been sitting under that thinking probably like, this is really, really good. We put our faith in Jesus. Our faith is 100% in this guy. That was before the storm. So Jesus gets out of one boat, gets into another, and here's what he says to them. We are going to the other side. I wanna give you the first thing here that I think is very helpful when we find ourselves in the midst of the storms of life. Again, I wanna be very practical with this. Here's the first one. No matter what storms you face, Remember, Jesus promised we are going to the other side. No matter what storms you face, whether you're in a storm or whether you're going to be going through a storm, Jesus has said, hey, listen, we are going to the other side. Now look at verse 37. It said again, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. So this wasn't just a storm. Again, this was a hurricane-like storm. And the, the disciples were experienced fishermen, many of them. They had been on the Sea of Galilee. They'd been on many times. And they knew that with the topography and the way the sea was positioned, with the weather, that storms would come up often. But this was a different type of storm. This was a storm that literally was overwhelming the rating, the capacity of the boat they were in. And so as the, the waves were crashing over the boat, as the boat began to turn sideways because of the wind, they grabbed bales and they started bailing out the water as fast as they could, but they couldn't keep up. They were, they were doing this, and listen, we don't know how long they were doing this before they woke up Jesus. But here's what we do know. They were trying to do it on their own. And Jesus was in the boat. What was he doing? He was taking a nap. You know why Jesus was taking a nap? Because he knew they were going to the other side. He didn't say we're gonna go to the other side unless a storm comes up. He said we're going to the other side. And the disciples forgot that. And their faith was being tested. Their faith was being tested by the storm and it was bringing out what they believed about Jesus. But here's what Matthew chapter 28 says that Jesus says to us. He says, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. He says in Hebrews chapter 13 that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So here's what this means. It means that Jesus is with us in the midst of the storm. If you are a Christ follower, if you are a son and daughter of the king of kings, Jesus is with you. You are not alone. You have not been forgotten. And here's what I think Jesus is saying to you today. You're going to make it to the other side of the storm. It doesn't mean that you won't experience loss. It doesn't mean that there won't be fear and there won't be anxiety. But it does mean that when you feel that, when you feel that fear and anxiety, it means that Jesus has given you a promise. You're going to the other side. And you say, well, how can we know that? I love the quote that Frederick Buckner says about Jesus. He says, the resurrection of Jesus means the worst thing is never the last thing. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, it means the worst thing is never the last thing. The worst news that you and I receive, the worst phone call that we get, the worst email we receive, it doesn't mean it's the last thing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means the worst thing, the worst news is never the last news because we are given a promise that he will never leave us and he will never Forsake us ever. But here's the problem. In the midst of storms, with the wind and the waves crashing around us, I think we just need to own this. We can lose perspective. We can lose perspective. We all can. There are times when the winds are blowing so hard at our lives that we lose perspective. And I think that's the reason why Jesus says over and over in the New Testament through the Gospels, you know what he says? He gives us one word, over and over and over again. You know what he says? Remember. Remember. In fact, at the Lord's Supper right before his death, when he was sharing a meal with his disciples, he took a familiar meal that was known as the Passover. He gave it new meaning, and he says, what I'm about to do, remember, do not forget, and here's why I think he says remember. Because we tend to remember the things that we should forget and we forget the things that we should remember. We tend to for, to remember the things that we should forget and forget the things that we should remember. There are some things in your life right now, listen church, that you are holding on to that Jesus has already gone to the other side and forgiven. And you need to let it go. You need to let it go. You need Listen, stop holding on to it. But there are other people who you are in the midst of a storm and you have forgotten the promises of God. And here's what God is saying to you today He's saying, You're going to go to the other side. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are not alone. You are not alone. Jesus is in control. But, he, but here's the thing in the midst of the storm, the storm, here's what we can have a tendency to do write this down. We can put our hope in the boat. So here's the reality, our hope is not in the boat. Our hope is not in the boat. So don't put it in the boat, because the boat can be overwhelmed. You say, well, what is the boat? I think the boat represents the things that we are putting our trust in. So the, the boat could be our 401K, which by the way, I got an email about mine this morning, it's not good, okay? So, It could be our 401K, it could be our jobs. What are you putting your hope in? Could be your job, it could be your title. It could be the thing that you are counting on to keep you afloat. In other words, it's that thing that you're thinking, if I could just get here, I will have peace in my life. If I could just move from this house to this house, I'll have peace in my life. If I can just get to this position, if I can make this amount of money, I will have peace in my life that I will be good, and here's the problem. The problem is that we've seen over the past 10 years, especially in our country, listen, control and peace is an illusion. It's an illusion, control is an illusion. We put our control and our trust in things like the boat, things that we think that are gonna keep us afloat, and when the winds and the waves crash over it, it sinks our lives. Nobody saw a pandemic coming a few years ago, and everybody was like, hey, things are good, and then a pandemic happens, and we're still dealing with the ramifications of it. Control is an illusion. You, are, you and I are not in control of anything, and listen, whether it's your finances, whether it's your home, whatever it is. If you are putting your trust in that thing, here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that it is susceptible to the winds and waves and rough water, that it can sink your life. Control is an illusion because there are moments in our lives where waves become burdens, where storms become burdens. Now, what is a burden? Well, the the gospel, I mean, the the, uh, apostle Paul actually talks about this in Galatians chapter six. He actually talks about burdens. And I think it's important to what we're talking about today. And I wanna read this passage out of Galatians chapter six, verse two. Here's what it says. It says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So what is a burden? A burden is something that can overwhelm our lives. It's, it's that thing, it's that hardship. It's that, it's that thing that, that is more than we can carry, more than we have the capacity to carry. That's what a burden is. Now, the words that Paul chooses here, the reason why I bring them up is because they're interesting. They're actually shipping terms. They're shipping terms. So when he talks about burdens, it's talking about more than it, the ship is rated to carry. So the Greek word there for burdens is actually the word baros, this is in your notes. Baros is a Greek word that actually means heavy weight. So what is that? It's, it's the oppressive hardship or the storm in our life that overwhelms us at times. It's the thing that comes at us that feels like it's gonna sink us. Again, could be a diagnosis, could be a decisions our kids are making. It could be financial. It could be trying to get into a school and you're not, or the consistent bad news. It could be a divorce, but but it's that thing that is the heavy weight that you are carrying. Now look at verse five, because this is important. It says, for each one though should carry their own load. Now the word load is the Greek word fortion, and it actually means capacity. So Paul chooses these words very carefully. And here's what he's saying. The capacity is referred to as the rating that a ship was built to carry. In other words, ships are made with a certain rating or a certain capacity. And it's what a ship or a boat can and should carry. That's the capacity, fortion. That's the word that's used there. So in our own lives, I want you to imagine just for a second. Imagine, in fact, a little illustration on the screen. Imagine this ship represents your life in my life. So this is, this is our life. Now, what is our capacity? What is our responsibility? A job, right? A marriage. Our marriage is our responsibility. It's our capacity. A house. Uh, laundry, right? Amen? Some of you are like, no, that's a burden. Okay, so I got a lot of kids, and I understand that totally. So dishes, right? That's responsibility. It's, just, it's your load, right? It's what you should carry. Finances, food, school. How about this one, dad, mom, that's your responsibility. In other words, dad, nobody can be a dad to your kids like you can be. Mom, nobody can be a mom or mother to your children like you can be. That is your your load to carry. That is your responsibility. Now, let me intersect this with a conversation that is taking place in our country right now. The problem that I'm seeing over and over in our country is that people are saying, my life is burdened. I cannot carry this burden. But actually what they call a burden is really just their load. And so we have generations of of people who are growing up saying, I can't carry this. This is not, this is a burden. And it's not a burden, it's a load. And we're asking people to carry our loads, not our burdens. Now, that's for a conversation for another time that I don't have time to get into, nor do I want to fully dive into that political conversation. But that's what we are seeing over and over in our country, people who are not taking responsibility for their load and calling it a burden. But burdens are real, right? Burdens are real. We all have burdens and things that we are dealing with. What, you know, what is a burden? Well, a burden may be an illness right? That's in addition to all these other things that we care. It may be an illness. It may be a death. It may be a loss of job. Maybe finances. Maybe all these things. And, and what can happen is they can begin to sink the ship of our lives. They can begin to overwhelm us. And listen, my, my kids and I, one of the things that we like to do is play games, okay? So we just are coming off of vacation, and We love to play games. And one of the games that I introduce my kids to is the game of life. Anybody ever played the game of life before? As an adult, playing that game now, I used to think it was cool as a kid. I'm like, why do I play that? We live this game. We live this game. And you know, you, you turn the spinner, right? You turn the spinner and you land on a certain space. You land on a job. You land on a career. You land on a spouse. And sometimes you land on a kid uh, in the game of life. Now, my wife and I landed on a kid four times. That's how many kids we have. We have four kids. And somebody once asked me, what is it like to have four kids? Well, I think Jim Gafkin, the com- comedian, said it best. He said, if you, if you want to know what it's like to have four kids, imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> That's what it's like to have four children. But there are times, listen, the game of life is just a game of loads and burdens. There are things that can take us back in the game. There are things that can, that can hurt us, that are, that are overwhelming at times. And I would submit to you this. If we don't carry our loads, they may become a burden down the road. If we don't carry our loads, they may become a burden down the road. Teenagers, teenagers, It is your responsibility to carry your load. And if you do not carry your load, it may become a burden down the road. Adults, it is our responsibility to carry our load so that they don't become a burden. But here's the reality. There are times when we feel burdened. There are times that we feel overloaded. And when someone is burdened, it is our job as Christ followers as Paul says, to come alongside of them and fulfill the law of Christ. What does that mean? To do as Jesus did unto us and to help carry that burden, to to offload some of that weight so that the ship doesn't sink. And to do that, you literally have to almost be in the footsteps of that person to help carry the weight. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You see, The disciples were trying to bail the water out and they couldn't keep up. And Jesus was in the bow, the stern, taking a nap. He was sleeping with his head on a cushion. And that's why, listen, our hope is not in the boat. Our hope is in the one who's in the boat. Our hope is not in the boat. Our hope is actually in the one who's in the boat. That's Jesus. Look at verse 37. Here's what it says It says, But soon a fierce storm came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And then watch this, verse 38. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I love this again. So the disciples are in full freakout mode. Jesus is in the boat taking a nap. He's sleeping. Now, I had a mentor one time that I was meeting with tell me that whenever you are facing things that are overwhelming in leadership, in other words, there are times where it just feels like things are chaotic, It feels like there's a lot of pressure. In those moments, as a leader, the best thing you can do is actually take a nap. And I looked at him and I thought, I didn't say this out loud, but I thought, that's the worst piece of advice I've ever received in my entire life. Like, you're telling me when everything is going crazy, what I need to do is go take a nap. Like, hey guys, listen, I'm the leader, I'm in charge, but I'll be back, I need to go take a nap. Now thankfully he corrected, you know, thankfully he gave me a little more information. Here's what he said. He says, here's what a nap is. And this is in your notes. A nap is a non-anxious presence. A non-anxious presence. So Jesus was taking a nap. You know, the disciples, Contrast their lives, they were freaking out, thinking they were going to drown. You know what Jesus was doing? Taking a nap. Non-anxious presence. Why? Because he is the creator, the sustainer, and the giver of life. The one Colossians says holds all things together. In his hands. He is in control of all things. Nothing takes him by surprise. And he already said to the disciples, hey, listen, we're going to the other side. I'm going to go down here and I'm going to take a nap. He wasn't worried about the storms because he created them. He created them. Amen. And they were putting their hope and trust in a boat. And Jesus was like, I'm in control. I'm in control. But here's the thing about our faith. We can feel really good about our faith in one moment when the waters are calm. But when the rough waters come, it can shake our faith up, right? In fact, we live in a culture that shakes our faith up a lot. In fact, it just shakes us up in general. And you may be wondering why I have two drinks here. Uh, In my left hand, I have water, all right? Not, Not a lot of fun to drink. But in my right hand, I have Dr. Pepper. Now, Dr. Pepper is my favorite drink in all the world, okay? So, like I've told my wife, like, just bury me with a good, like, Dublin Dr. Pepper. You remember the old cane sugar 1024 Dr. Peppers? Like, bury me with that. Like, anybody in here Dr. Pepper fan online, maybe campus of your Dr. Pepper fan, just acknowledge it, right? I mean, we're proud. We love it. We love Dr. Pepper. I love Dr. Pepper. This is what I want to drink all the time. This is what I should be drinking, But let me illustrate something. Our culture can shake our faith. There are things that happen in our life that shake us up. There are rough waters that we're in and the waves are shaking us up. In fact, we can get on social media and we can read a post and what does it do? It shakes us up, makes us mad. We get in our favorite news network, what do they do? They're in the business of shaking us up. Politicians shake us up. When we're driving in the left-hand lane and someone's driving slow, it shakes us up right? You want to throw something at them, it shakes you up. And so there are all these things in life, some funny, some serious, can shake us up. But let me ask you a question. When I say shake up this water, what happens when I open it? Nothing. Nothing. I can drink it. It's good. It's not as good as Dr. Pepper, but it's good. Now, if I shake this Dr. Pepper up, and I go and open it close to the front row here for these nice people, <laughs> they're getting a little bit nervous right here, right? Because if I open this up, it's gonna spew all over everybody, you know, especially on the first and second row. So here's the point, this is in your notes, I want you write this down. It's not what happens on the outside as much as what is happening on the inside. It's not the shaking that will make us explode. It's what's going on in us. It's what's going on in us. Who we're putting our faith and who we are putting our trust in. Let me wrap this up because I think this is important. When you know who's in control, you can take a nap in the midst of the storm. Look at verse 39. Let's close. Let's read this. It says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. He literally speaks to the winds and the hurricane like you would speak, like a child would speak. And it says, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you, have, do you still have no faith? And look at verse 41. And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They ask each other that even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, I find it ironic they were scared in the storm and then they were scared when Jesus calmed the storm. But look at Proverbs 9, verse 10, what it says. This is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. So, listen, their fear was redirected from their circumstances to the one who created all things. And here's what they were acknowledging. We are not in control, he is in control. He is in control. And when we understand there was a reverence and awe, fear that Jesus is all powerful in control of all things. And even when the storms of life hit us, he is still in control. That is good news, Three Circle. Church, that is good news, that no matter what is going on in your life right now, amen, that Jesus is in control. Now, let me leave you with this as we close. I love what the book of Hebrews says about Jesus. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter six, verse 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What is our life anchored to? Here it is, watch this. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus has entered on our behalf. Now, what is a forerunner? The word forerunner there is actually not a vehicle, okay? It's not talking about that. It's not a Toyota. It's actually talking about a small vessel, or the Greek word is pedromos. Now, what is, what is meant by this? What would happen is that when a large vessel would come into a harbor, and the depth of the harbor, based on this, the, the waves and the wind, When it was too much and they couldn't enter safely, what they would do is they would send a small boat, a small boat in ahead that would carry the anchor into the harbor. And they would sink the anchor deep into a secure place. And then watch what would happen. And then the vessel, the larger vessel, would winch itself in safely into the harbor. What does that mean? That means that Jesus has gone on our behalf already to the other side. And he has secured the anchor for us. And you know what he's doing? Day by day, he is winching us in as Christ followers to him, to eternity. And here's what he's saying to you. Listen, it may feel like the storms are overwhelming, but I've already been to the other side and you are gonna go there with me. That's the promise that we have in Jesus. Amen, amen. Would you pray with me? So Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you went to the other side. We thank you that because of Jesus, we can put our hope in our future and not in the circumstances around us. So God, would we feel peace in the midst of the rough waters? And so we worship knowing that you are in control and we are not.